after some horrible, horrible injury luck and some gritty, gritty bullpen performances, the Rangers take game three in a two to one lead in the World Series. We're talking about how they did it and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan covering this team for 10 seasons, including all five as the founder and host of Locked On Rangers. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcasting platform. The best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Before we get into today's gutty performance by John Gray, Corey Seager's blast and all the bad injury luck in the world hitting the Rangers at the wrong time. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Now, the Rangers have a 2-1 series lead in the World Series. Everything is going right. Everything is happy. I mean, even my dog is here being a good luck charm here. If you can see her on YouTube, I don't know how long she'll stay here. Um, but for right now, as long as I keep scratching her head, um, then she will be happy. And as long as the Texas Rangers keep winning baseball games, then I will keep being happy. The Rangers won this one three to one, a nail biting victory, as it feels like most of these postseason games have been. And the Rangers got, well, more and less than they expected from Max Scherzer, the future Hall of Famer, leaving this one with back tightness. Not a great look for him. Not great for, I mean, not a great by look. I mean, not a great outcome for him. I mean, it looks fine. He's 39 years old and he's, you know, pitching after suffering a major injury, a terrace major injury to be specific, uh, and coming off back-to-back not great performances against the Astros that were essentially rehab starts, but it seems like he had a longer leash. In this one, he didn't quite have his command early on in this one, but he was doing enough for the Rangers to get out of it, and you know, partially he was aided by his defense and Adolis Garcia with an absolutely sensational throw from right field to get Christian Walker out of the plate. Tommy Pham came through with a runner in scoring position. But Christian Walker was trying to be Christian runner and ran right through a stop sign from his third base coach. And Adolis nailed him by five, six, seven feet. It was not particularly close. When will these teams stop running on Adolis Garcia? I hope they never learn their lessons. It seems like they have never learned their lesson against running against Adolis Garcia or even Leo Tavares or Maybe eventually Evan Carter will be on that level. I don't know if it'll ever quite be Adolis or Leody level because both their arms are absolutely sensational. But Adolis Garcia coming through with his defense in the game tonight, not the best offensive day for him. And he ended up leaving after grabbing his left side in the eighth inning, I believe it was. Maybe that was the ninth inning. Um, but a really scary moment there. He was replaced by Travis Jankowski in right field. I don't know what this means for the series. We'll have to wait to hear a little bit more. It was um, left side tightness is that he left the game with. Very not great thing to hear ever for anybody. Oblique injuries are, are terrible. Leo Tavares suffered an oblique injury that kept him out for four to six ish weeks. Maybe it was about eight. Cause it happened in spring training and he wasn't back until around the middle of 
um, at the end of April, I believe it was. And he was really, really struggling then, then turned it on in May and had a fantastic May and a fantastic June. And then, you know, the up and down season that it was for him and it's not in a great way offensively right now. Neither is Jonah Hyman. Neither is Josh Young. Not a great day for the bottom of this Rangers lineup outside of Nathaniel Lowe. A great day for him. One for three with a walk and a double. But if Dolas Garcia misses any time defensively, I think that might even be it's it's hard to say it's more of an issue than missing his bat um, because his bat has been incredibly red hot. Worked another walk in today's game. Not something that he had done a whole lot in this postseason, but hey, he was patient. He wasn't getting paid to pitches to hit so he took his walk and that's all you can ask for a guy is that they take their walks when they are given to them and this was uh it, it just the cascading event um the cascading you know ripple effects of what will happen if Dolce Garcia is out not only to this lineup but to this defense if you are gonna have Robbie Grossman in right field that is um a terrifying thought is is Evan Carter gonna move to right field he's barely ever played there um is Chad Jankowski gonna play I think that might be the move, which feels kind of insane, but also just kind of where this team is at right now. I mean, this offense is deep enough to sustain uh, a Adolis injury and be okay. I mean, they've sustained so many injuries during this regular season. Having two in one game just feels downright unfair. Like it's just, it's just, it sucks. It sucks tremendously that it's going to come. It might end up coming down to this. I don't know that it will, but this is, a horrible way to decide the outcome and the Rangers, you know, they battled back. They got three runs in the top of the third inning, a, a great at bat by Marcus Simeon to drive in the run and to score a run himself on a first pitch ambush home run by Corey Seager. A changeup caught way too much of the zone. He nearly had a, a second home run off of Fott, who was pretty solid in this game. I mean, John Smoltz talking like it was the, the game of a lifetime and Max Scherzer was actually terrible in this one. I mean, Scherzer wasn't great. He had a couple of walks and a couple of hits um, and one strikeout and three innings of work. And it felt like he could have gone more had he not sustained the injury. Just 36 pitches. He was pretty efficient. Got a double play in this one. The Rangers defense turning to monumental double plays in this one. But John Gray, John Gray is the hero of this game. He will not be the unsung hero. He must be sung. I will um, speak about him, not sing about him. This is not a singing podcast. This is not what we're here for. This is not karaoke night with, with Bryce Patrick. This is locked on Rangers with Bryce Patrick, John Gray, three innings of near perfect baseball in an impossible situation. Well, old Bobby Nightingale, you can pull in a classic Bobby Nightingale and, and saying about three hours before this game, maybe four hours of, Oh, no, John Gray starting game four. And then, here comes the media actually talking to Bruce Bogey about, hey, is John Gray going to start game four? And he's like, I don't know. We'll see. He's going to be it's going to be all hands on deck available in this game because it is so crucial when you're tied 1-1 in the series. If you take that 2-1 series lead, especially in a game with Max Scherzer, who you didn't really know what you were going to get from him, especially when he only gives you three innings. Granted, three shutout innings, but he only gets you three innings. To have John Gray step up and go three innings is absolutely massive. And not just three ho-hum innings, not just three, uh, I kind of got by it by the skin of my teeth, three masterful innings when he has gone into the bullpen and allowed him to be a two-pitch pitcher, the fastball and the slider. And the fastball plays way, way up in relief and allows that slider to be even more effective. I mean, his slider is, is one of the best pitches in baseball. I mean, the velocity on that thing was up 1.9 miles an hour on his season average. It's averaging nearly 90 miles an hour with the slider. Fastball was averaging 97. He averaged 95.7 on the regular season. So up about a mile an hour. The curveball, he only threw one of those, and that was up in velocity too. But so many swings and misses on that uh, slider and, and called strikes as well. 
Um, he got one whiff on the slider and, and four whiffs on the fastball, which is not something that is normally uh, seen from him. Normally the fastball does not play nearly as well when he's having to be a starter. Um, but when he's getting swings and misses on that fastball and he's got that slider and he was just dotting it pinpoint location, just pinpoint. Perfect. This was, this was as good as I've seen John Gray ever. This is a guy who goes in stints. I mean, he really does. He, he goes in. I mean, it was the the May of Gray. It looked like it was going to be the June of John. He was absolutely sensational in the month of May this year. And in, in June, he was pretty darn good. But then he kind of fell off a little bit. And then he wasn't quite himself. And just start after start, he just wasn't quite all there. And he was really frustrated because he said he never really knew what was different from start to start. It's like, I don't know if I'm going to pitch great or I'm going to pitch terrible. Like it, it feels like everything feels the same, but somehow the results are very different and putting him in the pen in this high leverage situation. I thought maybe he was going to start tomorrow's game. Maybe he gets you three innings. And I said this right when he came in, if he gets you three innings here, this is a masterful all time, like, gutsy hero of the Texas Rangers franchise forever kind of moment. If the Rangers end up winning this world series and it ended up being exactly that. Now, maybe the Rangers lose this world series. Maybe they'll win it. And if they do, I hope to God, all of us never forget this incredible performance in an impossible situation by John freaking gray, because it was absolutely the performance of a freaking lifetime coming up we're going to look at this offense what they did so well and what these injuries might mean for the rangers in game four right after this word from our sponsors this episode is brought to you by fanduel score early nfl this season with fanduel america's number one sports book right now new customers get 150 dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. You want to bet on some Cowboys football? You want to bet on some Dallas Mavericks basketball? You want to bet on the Dallas Stars or Texas Rangers? I mean, four teams in season, uh, all of them playing within two days of each other. That was pretty cool. Um, the, you can go bet on any of them if you wanted to bet on the Rangers to win it all or, or win it all again next year. Visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Now, shout out to the everydayers for making Locked On Rangers your first visit every single day. On tomorrow's show, I'll be live again on YouTube, recapping whatever happens in Game 4 as the Rangers take on the Diamondbacks. You can catch every pitch of the World Series on the series, on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, this was a gutty performance by the bullpen and a gutty performance by John Gray in general. But the rest of this bullpen out here doing their jobs. Josh Spores, an inning with just one hit and a couple of strikeouts, a couple of key strikeouts with that runner in scoring position. Araldus Chapman coming in and giving us a classic Araldus Chapman experience, uh, putting us all on our toes. I, I tweeted out right after the the uh, the single got on after the the run scored uh, a leadoff double and then and then a sing RBI single I thought that there's no way this game isn't about to be tied there is no way on earth I have seen this movie before I hated it the first time I really hated it the second time the third time I, I was confused as to why I was still watching this movie at all but here we go the 
18th or whatever time that I've seen the Aurelis Chapman Experience movie. This one I could live with. This one I can absolutely live with. Coming in in the eighth inning, the very specific situation that Aurelis Chapman can do okay. With at least one day's rest in the eighth inning. And, uh, well, he still gave up a run. But, hey, he was able to get out of it and get a strikeout on a very a very peculiar strikeout. A slider right down the middle to Corbett Carroll that I thought, oh my God, how did you get away with that one? It literally just could not be more center cut. And it crossed him up. They threw him, I believe, nothing but fastballs before that. And then he was just stunned, perplexed. As to, wait, is that, is that, oh, that was right down the middle. I can't believe I touched took that. And he did and called strike three. And then gets a double play that was absolutely masterfully turned, masterfully turned by Corey Seager off the bat of Cattell Marte, who you may remember has homered against Aroldis Chapman this year, has hit a game-tying homer, in fact. You might remember him from such performances as the eight innings of shutout ball Jordan Montgomery threw against the Diamondbacks in Arizona. On came Aroldis Chapman with a one nothing lead. Bing, bang, boom. Here came Cattell Marte and hit a game-tying homer to send that game to extras where the Rangers had to see Will Smith um, start to unravel. I think that like was really where un Will Smith kind of lost his whatever magic good vibe juju was going the first half of the season. That's where it officially died was in Arizona. And he just has not been anywhere near the same ever since. But here comes Cattell Marte hits a ball 114.4 miles an hour off the bat, nearly out of the reach of Corey Seager, but not quite, not quite out of the reach of the gold glove finalist may have poo-pooed some other decisions of gold glove finalist voting of Josh Young not being there. Uh, absolutely insane, especially with the amazing play that he made off the ball that hit Max Scherzer in the elbow, then the back, then the butt, and then ricocheted right to him, made an incredible barehanded play, Beltre-esque, one might even say. One would say. One did say. I just said it. Yeah. It looked like Adrian Beltre out there and a couple of great defensive plays, including showing off his arm strength, the one part of his defense that wasn't great. Josh Young did a lot of work while he was hurt to improve that arm strength, doing drills while his hand was damaged. Like, you know, I'm going to make the most of this time on the IL. Who does that? Who does that? Who thinks I'm on the IL? So I'm going to go ahead and make myself better. Josh Young does that. <laughs> That's the kind of baseball obsessed nerd that he is. That is why I think that guy's going to be special for years to come. But Corey Seager is also pretty darn special and pretty darn special with the club. Much better. All this talk of constantly. Ah, well, Corey Seager's a shortstop for now. And who knows how long he's going to play there. He's going to stay there for a while. If he keeps making plays like that. 114 and a half miles an hour. Smoked off the bat of Cattell Marte. Dives, makes the catch, flips it to Marcus Simeon, makes the quick turn to Nathaniel Lowe. And the Diamondbacks manager, Tori Lovello, challenged it and said, there's no way they got my guy out. There's no way they got both my guys out and was contesting both parts of the double play. And you know what? Replay saw that. They looked at it and they said, actually, yeah, both those suckers are out. That's a double play. That's the end of challenge number one. I forget exactly what challenge number two was, even though it just happened half a second ago. But there was great defense all over the diamond in this game some great defense in right field by Adolis Garcia some great defense by the pitchers great defense by Josh Young 
by Marcus Simeon, by Corey Seager, and by Alec freaking Thomas. Now, I talked about this a lot in my series preview, talking about how big the Arizona Park is and how Alec Thomas covers a crap ton of ground out there. And he showed it. He put it on display in the ninth inning where the Rangers were trying to get some insurance runs. Mitch Garver steps up to the plate, hits a ball 105 miles an hour off the bat, an 890 expected batting average, went 412 feet, 29-degree launch angle, right in that sweet spot, exactly where you want. But it's so hard to hit a home run to dead center field in chase field. It is nearly impossible. I mean, we we've seen, we talked about in the preview with a PH and X beat writer uh, about how we've seen 420 foot doubles to center field at chase field. And that home run, that would have been a home run in 19 out of 30 ballparks, but it wasn't in this one. And it wasn't because Alex Thomas got a perfect read on it made the jumping grab a, a grab, not a uh, stab or a snag as Clinton Yates, uh, baseball writer for or just general writer, sports writer for ESPN has this recurring bit of stab snag or grab about uh, as insane defensive catches. And, and that for sure to me looked like a grab. It was, it was a great grab by Alec Thomas, who again, I am a sucker for great center field defense, even if it's being played against my team. Um, I'm a sucker for it. And that was a beautiful instant of it. I love good defense. These teams are both fantastic defensively turning that double play for the Rangers, all the great defense all around the diamond. And it's a huge reason why this team is where they are right now. I mean, so much of this team is basically the same as the end of last year, like so incredibly much the same. And just at basically every position, the Rangers just got significantly better. I mean, they had three guys last year that were pretty good defensively. You had Jonah Heim, who's always been sensational defensively. You have Marcus Simeon, who's absolutely sensational at second base. And you had Adoles Garcia, who even last year had some misadventures, but the arm is, is always going to be there. It's always going to be elite. It's always going to be outstanding. But everywhere else, there's not a whole lot of good defense being played. I mean, Leoti had some uh, massively questionable jumps last year. He's got the speed. He's got the arm. Um, but he even had a, a few a few weird misplays in, in this series, including one against Corbin Carroll that turned into a triple. Now, uh, Jake Mintz of Cespedes Family Barbercast uh, talked a lot about that on his show, about how the, the ball just jumps off his bat differently. Corbin Carroll, like the, the spin on it just makes it look like it's not going to go as far as it does. And then it just yeets itself by you. And that I think is a, a big reason why he ended up letting up that triple and he might end up letting up another double. I mean, it's just the ball jumps weird off Corbin Carroll's bat. It doesn't look like it should be hit that hard, but it is, but everywhere else around this diamond, I mean, especially the corners of the infield and, and Josh Young and Nathaniel Lowe. I mean, I cannot say enough about how much those guys have worked their tails off to improve leaps and bounds, like just absurd levels of improvement defensively. You don't see that that often. But both those guys, I mean, just the massivest of kudos to the both of them. Going from pretty suspect, um, in Nathaniel Lowe's case, just absolutely dreadful defensively at first base. And he would have been the first one to tell you that last year. And this year, he says, don't worry, I, I worked, I worked on it. I'm much better. I'm solid. And then I remember the first, like it took me about a month and a half, a couple months really to kind of trust what I was seeing from Daniel Lowe and Josh Young's defense. I was like, these guys aren't 
supposed to be that good at defense, but they kind of are. And they just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And here they are still doing great. And then you add Evan Carter, a little savior in left field. There's not a defensive weak point in this team at all. Now, that might change a little bit if Adoles Garcia is out for any significant time. You just have to hope and pray to God that it was just some side tightness, just just a little cramp, just a little something, just whatever's in the mattresses in Arizona in their hotel. Um, maybe MLB should look into it because the Rangers nearly got absolutely hosed by the worst injury luck at the worst time coming up. We're going to look at what this means for the series moving forward, how the Rangers will end up playing their bullpen day tomorrow and what they have to do to walk out of Arizona with a good chance to win their first ever world series right after this word from our sponsors. Now, shout out to the everyday which making Locked on Rangers your first listen every single day on Wednesdays. Yes, today's Monday. Wednesday show, I'll be live recapping whatever happens in Game 5 of the World Series, where we will see probably Nathan Eovaldi starting that game. Should be a lot of fun. The Rangers take on the Diamondbacks in the World Series. You can catch every pitch of the action on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, Texas is in a, a weird spot with with these injuries i mean we all know what the deal is is if one of these guys has to go on the il they are done for the series you cannot bring them back and that would be crushing to lose either of these guys two guys that are so monumental to this team i mean i can't imagine how gutting it would be for max scherzer to battle his butt off to work his freaking tail off just champing at the bit to get back on the roster and he does a pitch is not great in the ALCS, but good enough for the Rangers to get through and go to the World Series. He's pitching not great, but good enough. Three shutout innings, and he was rolling with that 3 nothing lead. He wanted to save this pen, some pitches, then he comes back out in the fourth inning and just grabbing his back and just cannot make it happen. I know he's just absolutely devastated, just completely, completely devastated that he couldn't go any further in this one. And let alone what it'll say about him next year. This is not the time to think about that at all. If the Rangers, if it goes to seven, hoping that it doesn't go to seven, the Rangers can just win, you know, two out of the next three because the Rangers are two wins away from their first ever championship. I know we're not all ready to, to quite go there yet. I understand we have been burned before. We've been, you know, very close. I won't say specifically how close because it's very triggering for all of us. And uh, if I say it, I might actually vomit. Um, but it's been close before, and this Rangers team is in a good position to do it. It's going to be a much tougher position to do it if Adolis Garcia is not here. Now, the Rangers did tweak their lineup in this one, and Adolis has been the heartbeat of this team. And if he misses even one game, he's going to be absolutely devastated. If he's out for the rest of this series, like he will be downright inconsolable, as will this team. He is such a monumental part of this team, of providing the energy, the spirit, the razzle dazzle, the dance, the home run dances with Lily Tavares and Ezekiel Duran and, and everybody on this team. And it's going to be, it's going to be so devastating if he can't play. But if Max Scherzer is done for the year, which I don't want to say yes, because I, I thought there's no way in heck that he was pitching on this team, like at all in the playoffs, no matter how deep the Rangers made it. But he, he came back for ALCS and that was incredible. 
and he pitched two games and he pitched another game in the world series. And so I'm not writing him off just yet, but if he goes on the IL, it's going to be, I don't know who you're going to put in. I mean, you got some guys who are traveling with the team. You've got uh, maybe Matt Bush might come off. Maybe you have, um, I forget who else is, is there. Um, it's not going to be Ian Kennedy because, because he's hurt. It's been, not I don't think it's going to be Grant Anderson. It might be. That's a that would not be ideal, especially with how many lefties and switch hitters are in this lineup because he just gets absolutely crushed by lefties. But I think Matt Bush might be your answer if and he hasn't pitched the majors since July. He's been on the roster. He was even on the roster for for game one sixty two, but he hasn't pitched for the Rangers in the big leagues since that trade in twenty twenty two. I believe it was. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. It was 2022. Um, but if Adolfo Garcia is out, I mean, woof, that puts you in a really, really rough way. And what do you do if you're the Rangers? I think Travis Jankowski would be my bet to start. And then you got to augment your lineup a little bit. Leo Tavares being in such a rough way offensively is is really tough, especially when you, if you lose a guy like Adolis for any extended amount of time, I, I really hope that it's not an oblique injury, but it, it, it doesn't look like it's anything but that. And if it's an oblique injury, then I don't think there's any way that Adolis comes back. And that is, that is dead, just gut wrenching. And you really need Simeon to step up and you really need Heim to step up and you really need young and Tavares and everybody to step up. And I think they will. They've shown the capable of doing so many times many times over and um this is a team that like i've said time and time again throughout the season the strength of this lineup is in its depth it always has been it always will be and again basically this entire lineup is locked up for at least two or three or seven more seasons and they're going to be here for a while or i guess eight more seasons because seager's in, in year two of that $325 million deal, which is looking like an absolute freaking bargain I mean, half a billion dollars for those two guys. Sign me up for that a hundred times out of a hundred. Like it's so many times out of so many times. I mean, this, this is, this is what you pay for both those guys coming through. And I knew Simi would have a moment. I'm so glad for him that he got this moment. They got a pitch that he could handle from Brandon fought a fastball inside. They have been pitching him away, 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 away all postseason long and he hasn't been able to adjust and make the adjustments and have success, but this fastball got in and with a runner in scoring position, here he came, drove in the first run of the game was on base for Corey Seager to make it a two run homer as opposed to a solo shot, which ended up giving the Rangers just that little bit more insurance that you knew that they freaking needed. And they came through just as they always did. I mean, this lineup is is full of so many good hitters. A lot of them are just absolutely exhausted. I mean, Jonah Heim has caught every inning of this postseason. I know his bats haven't been great. I I'm definitely for moving him a little bit lower in this lineup, but he is capable of running into one and putting together good at bats as well. I wish he'd just be a little bit more patient. Looks like he's kind of pressing at the plate right now. Felipe Tavares, he's he's getting eaten up by changeups down and, and pitches down in general. He's expanding the zone a little bit. He's not recognizing those changeups, and it's leading him to press a little bit. And he's not able to walk nearly at the rate that he was in the ALCS, in the ALDS, and in the wildcard game, where he's putting together some great at-bats. I mean, he's still a very good hitter. 
But like we know about Leo Tavares, he can be very, very streaky. And you wish that 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 hot streak extended just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer. And this may be the start of a downturn for Leo. But hey, he's a smart guy. He's a smart hitter. He can figure things out. Josh Young can change things in a hurry. He's been putting together some fantastic at-bats in the postseason. Still an 847 OPS in this postseason. Travis Jankowski, what am I talking about? Travis Jankowski is going to be just as good. He's got a he's got a higher batting average than Adolis Garcia, and he nearly had um, a home run. He's nearly two for two with a home run and a single. He's got a, a 1,000 OPS in this postseason, hitting 500. He's one for two with a single and a home run robbery by Kyle Tucker in right field. But hey, anything is possible. I mean, we saw what Travis Jankowski did for the first half, three quarters of the season. Now, don't go look at what he did for the last couple months because, oh boy, it was it was rough. It was real rough. But hey, if he can come in and be a postseason hero, have a moment, get on base, cause some havoc with his stolen base. He is the Rangers' stolen base leader. He could definitely go out there and wreak some havoc, as could pretty much anybody out there or if Adolis Garcia has to go on the IL and is, and is done for this postseason, I think, I think Ezekiel Durant might be my choice to pick him up. I, I think and put him on the roster. I, I think that might be my move just because of his versatility. I know he hasn't played in months. I know he fell out of the tree of trust. I know that he is, was in a very bad way offensively and heck even kind of defensively too, at the end of the season. But he's a guy who has all the talent in the world. We've seen what kind of stretches he can go on. And he has the highest ceiling of anybody of anybody on that roster on the on the bench, I should say. Um, of anybody who can come in there and, and change a game with one swing. He can do that for you. And uh yeah, but it's not where you want to be. It is a tough spot. I know the Rangers are two wins away, and you've got Jordan Montgomery and Nathan Evaldi both coming off their worst performances in the postseason for the Texas Rangers wanting to get the ship right, and I think they will. As for what they do for the bullpen game, I, I think you got to go back to the Heaney-Dunning combination. Neither threw that many pitches in the last game that they pitched in. you got to kind of hope that you can get some length out of them, um, and you're not going to use Chapman on back-to-back -back days if you – just go ahead and kind of end up losing that game and don't have to use any of your top three believers in tomorrow's game. And it goes to two, two that's fine because then it's two out of three where you've got two starts from Montgomery and Eofaldi. That is a good place to be. The Rangers it just needed this one so badly. They got it. Even with all the adversity they suffered, this is a team that has suffered so much adversity and will continue to suffer more adversity in route to hopefully their first ever World Series. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you all so much for joining me if you're joining me live or if you are listening later. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy World Series Texas Rangers baseball. <laughs>